Hello and welcome to Succeed Through Speaking, the place for experts and entrepreneurs who want high-value ideas to boost business results. Hello, I'm Tom Bailey, and in today's Speaker Stories episode, I'll be getting to know Andrew Davis, who is a keynote speaker, a best-selling author, and one of the most influential marketers in the world. So, Andrew, hello, and a very warm welcome to today's episode. Hey, thanks, Tom, for having me. This is fun. I'm I'm so excited about telling my story and, and hearing some more. Awesome. We can't wait to hear all about it. So, whereabouts in the world are you right now, just out of interest? Today, I am in South Florida. I live in Boca Raton, Florida. Amazing. Thank you so much. And I just want to share just a little bit more about you before we do get started. So Andrew has written documentary films. He's worked for The Muppets and MTV, co-founded, built and sold a marketing agency. And you may well have seen him on the Today Show or in The New York Times. So quite an incredible journey from the sounds of things. And given the topic of this podcast, I'd love to find out how important has public speaking been for you along the way on your journey? Yeah, well, public speaking has built my uh, my entire career. Like, uh, you know, I started a, a marketing agency in mm-hmm. 2001, and it wasn't until 2008 that we found that public speaking was the best way to generate business for the agency. Uh, yeah. We had tried everything else. We had, yeah. you know, advertised and events and sponsorships and all sorts of other things. And, uh, you know, I, I, all of a sudden uh, I would speak at an event. Uh, I was the kind of lead strategy person at the agency. And uh, the people would come up afterwards and say, oh my gosh, like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I tell them what they do, or they'd say, can you do what you just spoke about? And I would say, yeah, you know, yeah. we have an agency. The next thing you know, we had a, a full book of business. In fact, it got so busy uh that you know i was speaking and we would generate leads we couldn't handle which is i mean a good problem to have but a frustrating one as a business yeah Yeah, absolutely and and did you find that you had to be you had to choose the right places to speak was that was that one of those important elements of public speaking for you yeah well we chose what we call a fractal every year so Mm -hmm. we would we would determine a new business opportunity and uh look at the kind of a fractal for me is a, a niche within a niche within a niche. It's yes. a small enough target where you can really focus your energy and understanding the industry. Awesome. And um, usually we we do the first speech for free in the mm-hmm. industry. So, yeah. you know, we'd pick like multifamily housing and um, we'd speak at an industry event. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that would kind of open the door to other opportunities within that industry. And we could usually build like a three or four year business cycle out of focusing on one industry a year. And so that became really important. Yeah, it was a big aspect of the strategy that made it work. On that, a lot of speakers that I speak to tell me that whenever they speak at an event, if they get their presentation right, they always get offered another presentation after it or another opportunity to speak so it almost creates that snowball effect for you if you do that first one for free yeah that's what well yeah that's my goal my goal is four stage side leads from every single event and a stage side lead for me is just someone within the first 72 hours after speaking that they ask me to speak at a specific event which means it has a date and time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means that they're high enough up in the organization that they could, you know, make the decision or refer yeah. me, uh, and that they have a budget. And if those things, three things are true, then I've gotten one stage side lead. So my goal is four after every speech. And to be totally fair, just to manage everybody's expectation, the goal is four. But right now I'm averaging about two point 
seven, eight or something per gig. So I measure all of that to make sure I know that the speech is working, that the, you know, that I'm actually getting those stage side leads. Great. I love that you've got that data and it's so accurate as well. So let's go back to the very beginning, just, just for a moment. So we talked about 2001, um, you know, you were trying everything when you first launched that business. <laughs> What's your earliest memory of having to stand up and deliver a presentation? Was it during that time or, or was it way back when you were in college or university? Uh, well, I mean, it's a little unfair because I, as a kid, I was really into acting and performing and stuff. So, yeah. um, you know, I, they weren't really speeches, but mm -hmm. I guess a monologue, you know, I had to learn stuff. So I was never actually afraid of performing in front of people, but I can tell you that uh, what, when I, when I started speaking for the agency, um, you know, I can remember the very first time I was invited to speak and it was actually a fluke. Like I had, I'm one of those people that's really early time for every, yeah. every event I go yeah. to. And I was an attendee at a conference and I showed up really early. I was, you know, registered, got my badge. Mm -hmm. And this woman comes running, running up uh, and says, oh my gosh, like, I'm so glad you're here. You know, we had someone cancel for 10 a.m. Like, have you ever spoken in a wow. breakout session before? And I was like, no. And she was like, well, if you have a topic and you want to deliver it, like I've got a room at 10 a.m. So I was like, well, I'll take it. So I went back to my room I skipped the opening mm -hmm. sessions and put together a 45 minute presentation and I'll tell you that I was not nervous about performing in front of yep. people I was unbelievably nervous about the ideas I was going to present I I had severe imposter syndrome and I thought you know what what do I know like this is my first time at this conference I came here to learn stuff like who am I to be able to teach these people about this topic you know uh and I was really nervous about that and I've come to learn that uh you know, I guess over time that I, my best performances and my best ideas are the ones where I actually don't need to be the expert. And in fact, I think that's a big detriment to mm -hmm. the audience and my, um, my process. And so all I want to do is to provide them with a solution to a real problem they're facing, but it's not the solution. It's, it's an idea. It's one solution that you may want to try. Um, and I'm very honest and open about the fact that I'm still investigating all this stuff. I'm looking for answers and I'm just going to share with you what I've learned. And that's changed my perspective. And I'm no longer nervous because I don't believe I need to be the expert in the room. Yeah. I just need to have a unique perspective that I want to share. And that's, that's alleviated that, that alleviated that imposter syndrome that I know you guys talk about a lot on the show. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. And I guess that that frame of mind is thinking about what value can I add to this audience, which is, you know, how do I offer them something tangible, something useful, a solution they can go and try. Um, and by providing value, you're more likely to get booked again to speak at, at other venues. So, yeah, that's a really great piece of advice. So what would you say is one thing that you that you know now that you'd wished you'd known back then when you first delivered that presentation in that breakout room? What's that one thing that you'd wish you could tell a younger oh. Andrew? Uh, it, it would be that uh, that the 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 speech is the cake that all the marketing in the world won't make you a better speaker. It won't mm -hmm. book you more gigs. It won't build your business. Um, but creating a great speech that people want to hear over and over again and want to share with other people. Uh, is all you need to be a great speaker. So, yeah. I mean, just to, if I back up, I spent a lot of time and energy trying to increase my fame factor, you know, like I, you know, I needed to be everywhere. I had to have followers on Twitter and mm -hmm. I needed to be famous. And it turns out you don't, you know, to be a surprise and delight speaker, the kind of speaker that I feel like I provide, uh, all you need to do is 
provide a transformational experience for the audience. Yeah. And if you can do that reliably, and that's the key, you have to be able to deliver that every single time you speak, yeah. then yeah, you can, you'll have a very big and uh, growing business where, you know, your business is just a referral based business and your fees increase and the bookings increase. I love that. And um, can you help us understand what goes into that kind of a speech? Is, it, is there a certain, is there a certain building blocks that goes into a speech like that? What would, what would you say is the core parts you need to get into that presentation well uh, i think it boils down to number one having a real problem to solve um, yeah. <laughs> like and i think uh, too many of us try to solve a problem or 10 problems mm -hmm. in one speech and i think very often we don't know we don't truly understand what the real problem is that the yeah. audience is facing so number one understanding that number two having a contextual model not uh, a contextual model is really important it's a to me i define a contextual model as like a something you could, that's simple enough, you could draw on a napkin to kind yes. of illustrate the idea, but complex enough to have deep layers of understanding and meaning yeah. for the audience. So you could talk about it for three minutes, but you could also dive into it and keep charting on that one contextual model for 45 minutes and people would still have aha moments, right? Like that's unbelievably important. That kind of demonstrates your domain expertise. It, it, it demonstrates the deep thought that's gone into the solution that you're pr presenting or providing for the audience. Uh, you need to have a signature bit. A signature bit for me is the five to seven minutes in the speech that is so memorable that mm -hmm. people will tell other people about that five minute experience or that yeah. seven minute experience. Um, it's really sticky, but it's not just entertainment. It has to illustrate a deep point that people previously didn't understand until they got the signature bit. Um, mm -hmm. Lord, is that that was a good list of three. So that, we'll start that was, with those. But that was perfect. And and that contextual model, because a lot of what we do is is intangible. If you're offering a service, you know, you yeah. can't package it and give it to somebody. So by making it a visual, so you might you want to look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the triangle, something like that. Exactly. And where you can talk through each layer. And then, like you said, then you can either spend one minute on each layer or you can really drill down for 30 minutes on each layer if you had the time to do so. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I even mean not just the the one drawing, but mm. like I, I'll, I'll have a quick example. Like um, I have a speech this year that I've been working on for the last year. It's called the Cube of Creativity. And it's it's essentially four simple constraints you can add to any project to come up with better, more creative solutions faster. So the basics are the four constraints you can add and anyone yeah. can draw a cube on a napkin yeah. and write the constraints out. But what happens is it turns out if you if you divide the cube into quarters, mm -hmm. it turns out each of the two corners, like the two constraints, actually provide an emotional um, aspect of the creative output. So I mean like trying to layer the contextual model mm -hmm. like that, like, hey, you can draw it like this, but if I have extra time, I can show you what happens and why these are important. And then you can layer it again and say, if you don't do all four of these things, here's what happens. This is why yeah. your team falls apart. Love it. Um, so the, the deeper you actually invest in that contextual model, the better off you'll be. I, I, you know, I started with real simple ones. Like it's the ABC model. A stands for this. B stands for this. That's like the very first version of an idea. You got to keep going until you really have, have dissected the idea so much that you know, you believe this is the solution uh, that's best to present at this time. Yeah, love it. Great advice. And what would you say to somebody? Because there's, there's always a 
a step between being a speaker and then being a paid speaker. I think that's always <laughs> a, a step and that's kind of an internal mindset step up, but also, you know, there's also things you have to do externally. So what, what is that transition for you to go from a free speaker to a, a paid speaker? It's all based on stage side leads. So like, here's what I do every year. I, every year I come up with a new idea for a speech, mm-hmm. um, brand new speech, right? Never been performed before. And I go to free speeches to, to, to just try to get the ball rolling. And, uh, you know, to be totally honest, it doesn't work the th- first three or four times, right? Yeah, I'm still okay. working out yeah. the kinks. The idea yeah. isn't good. My performance isn't great. There's no signature bit because I haven't figured one out yet because I don't know what the audience is struggling with. Yeah. Uh, but the moment I finish one of those free speeches and somebody comes up and says, Andrew, that was amazing. We have an event on March 25th. Mm-hmm. And how much do you cost? We would love to have you. Th- when they say they okay. want that speech, that's when I say, oh, it's $500. Yeah, and then yeah. when I get three stage side leads from every event, I say it's 1500. I mean, I'm yes. making up the fees, yeah. but you know, I, if you're starting out, that's the best way to think about it. When the okay. speech is referable, then start raising the fee. Yeah, love that. That's a great way of looking at it. I've not heard of that perspective and that's, yeah, a really good way of looking at it. Thank you. Um, quick question then on, I guess, so let's let's talk about the pandemic. I think that's quite a good place to go now. So sure. um, 2019, two years, went into lockdown, pretty much what it, it did, it killed the, the in-person speaking industry. Um, I guess, how did you transition during that period and what did you do differently? Yeah, uh, well, so uh, I have a television background. So uh, you, you mentioned that at the beginning, I worked in television for the first 10 years of my career. Uh, so I immediately thought, you know what, how can we make virtual events better than an in-person event? Yeah. And I decided, you know what, the best way to do that is to turn it into a television show. So basically, I took every keynote and made it this kind of television show-like experience where I would do live segments in front of a camera in my little studio. Mm-hmm. Um, but then all of a sudden, I'd, I'd say like, hey, follow me. Let me tell you a concept out by my pool here at my cool. house, right? Yeah. And so that would be a pre-recorded little seven-minute or five-minute mm-hmm. segment. Uh, but it, it, you know, the illusion was <laughs> yeah. that it was all happening real time. And, you know, it worked really, really great. It took a lot of time to get the kinks out, to figure out, uh, how to use the production equipment that mm-hmm. I hadn't used in 20 years and yeah. you know it all changed and the technology was different. But I think the key is trying to remember that we, you've got to provide an experience that is different um, than the, the in-person experience if you want to be successful in the virtual world. Uh, I have really hard opinions about why I think the virtual world is a little backwards. Mm. Easy stuff. Like if you want to do a presentation on Zoom, it makes your slides real big and your head real small, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's just backwards for a cold medium like the internet. You need yeah. to be big. The person yeah. needs to be big. Yeah. And the slides can be real small because you're close up. But anyway, th- I think there are a lot of things we could work on if you just start saying, you know what, forget about what I do in person. How can I transform this experience to be transformative for the audience to feel different and to keep them engaged for 45 minutes or an hour? You know, you're going to have to think that way. Yeah, I love the thought of, making sure it's an experience because you know we've seen so many webinars over the past two years where you just sit there oh, and Lord. you're on powerpoint and you, you're watching someone talk <laughs> over their slides yeah so really important and um, one thing that came up for me as you were speaking a minute ago was um about finding these speaking gigs so you find these free speaking gigs and then that'll then lead to the lead generation i guess yeah. how how do you find that first speaking gig what what method do you take to okay. find a gig 
there's i mean to be totally frank i'm at the point at which i get so many inbound yeah. inquiries that uh, you know for for the free gigs like i you know i can say hey look i i can't i know you can't afford me but hey guess what i have a brand new speech mm -hmm. uh, and i'd be happy to do this brand new speech for you it, it, you know instead of loyalty loop which i know is what you wanted mm -hmm. so that works for me but look if you're trying to get your first gigs the easiest thing to do the three simple things number one i want you to reach out to three executives you know on linkedin yeah everybody has connection with at least one executive reach out to them and tell them you've been working on a new keynote speech or a new speech uh and wondering if you could do a lunch and learn for your staff here's okay. the topic what do you that's that's number one uh number number two i want you to reach out to uh all the nonprofits and and professional organizations that you're a member of or a former member of and ask the exact same thing hey i know you have monthly meetups and you do educational sessions you know i have a new speech i'm working on i would love to be able to deliver that to the audience free of charge to just get their feedback right okay. yeah. uh, and then the third one the third one is the most valuable one it's a super secret underground marketplace that no one ever ever talks about. In fact, I'm trying to build a, my own little tool to help us with this, but you need to reach out to three other speakers and, and they need to know that you have a brand new speech mm. and that you, you're, you're interested in performing it because people like me and your peers, even if they're not busy speakers doing 55 gigs a year, they're doing 10, 12 gigs a year they have the opportunity to refer you as well for three. They, they have opportunity for three reasons. One, there are gigs they might not be able to do, right? They're unavailable. Yeah. Two, maybe they're charging for the speech and they don't want to do any free speeches, but mm -hmm. they're getting those free inquiries, right? And three, after every gig you complete, if you want to maintain that relationship with that event organizer, so they bring you back in three years, you need to be able to offer them three great referrals to follow up from your speech this year. Yeah. So it, if you do that, if you just reach out to those three groups, I guarantee you can get that wheel spinning much faster than if you're just filling out, you know, speaker inquiry forms and stuff that doesn't really work. Yeah, um, and if you're interested, by the way, and you're listening or, or you're interested, Tom, in my little trial here for, for this referral thing I'm building, you know, let me know. I'm, I'm happy to send you guys a link and I have a little questionnaire we need to fill out and, and a little process that we're working on. So I'm happy to share that with others. That'll be great. And, and I guess just on that note, um, for anybody listening that wants to connect with you or wants to book you as a speaker where's the best place for them to go oh uh, let's see i mean the easiest place to find me is aka drewdavis.com that's my website my yep. email address is there my phone number you can call my cell phone um or linkedin just search for andrew davis you know keynote speaker and you'll you'll find me i have orange glasses so if you're listening <laughs> yeah, to this, you'll yeah you'll stand with out. orange glasses <laughs> awesome <laughs> and a bow tie Yes, perfect. Um, well, Andrew, I just want to just say thank you so much again for coming along, sharing such great value with our audience. And yeah, I can't wait to keep watch your journey and find out where you go next. Anytime, man. Thanks, Tom. Thanks to everybody listening too.